everybody, this is Michael Eagle. Welcome to Secret Skin, aka the Secret Radio Hour. I'm recording live from London in the United Kingdom. I've been here, I've been in Europe for the past month. Uh, I did a two week European tour, and I've been in London for the last two weeks um, working on a new project. I'll have more details for that coming soon. It's been a really interesting experience for me. I'm not the most um, socially adept guy in the world. I'm not that great with new people and being immersed in all of these brand new cultures with brand new customs and a lot of times uh, entirely new languages has been a little bit of a challenge. I've actually gotten to spend some time in London though. Seen some really nice things, seen some really cool things. All the touristy sites, the big bins, um, British Museum, lots of stuff like that. It's been good. Um, I don't feel that great at the moment, though. You may notice that I did not attempt to sing the theme song today. I'm just kind of not feeling as silly. Because uh, while you know, I've been out here working, I've uh, been very tuned into what's been going on in the States, especially what's been happening in Ferguson. Uh, due to the lack of indictment of the uh, policeman that killed Michael Brown. It's been interesting out here too. One thing that's been interesting out here is that uh, the police don't carry guns. And it's funny because a buddy of mine keeps mentioning that to me. And it doesn't even really occur to me even when I look at the police here because I think I assume that they have guns. I think I assume that all police have guns. And I have to really look and I'm like, wow, I don't even know what that means for a society. I feel like I've been indoctrinated in a in a system or in a country where, you know, fear of violence has been um, a psychological motivator for most people to not break the law. So it's interesting to be in a place where that's not the case. And um, it doesn't seem to be a problem. There's still a bunch of jerks around here. There's still, you know. And there's soccer hooligans, there's just drunk people. There's drinking, you know, in public in a lot of places. They just don't seem to feel the need to arm the police. And uh, that's a continuing problem in Ferguson, where uh, protesting, even if it's meant to be peaceful, is kind of met with a military force that I believe... You know, I mean, it doesn't necessarily encourage violent outbursts, but it's certainly not a sympathetic thing. Um, and I believe that a lot of the outrage is happening right now is from people having these these emotions, these deep-seated emotions, this pain, this grief, and not really feeling like there's an outlet. And um, quite obviously now there is a problem with how the police handle situations with black males. There's there's no doubt about it. And um, each incident is starting to increase this feeling, this unrest about um, within black citizens uh, in this country that is supposed to be about equality and everybody having uh, the same chance to survive and the same chance to succeed. And it's, it becomes apparent with every incident that something is wrong and a lot of the feedback that a lot of Americans give black Americans 
when they expressed this outrage at what seems to be um, different, not, not only different treatment, but different treatment that results in death. Um, I believe we're met with an attitude of, um, of it's our fault. Um, we're criminals just kind of inherently and we bring these things on ourselves. And I think that's really, that's, that's just really a difficult way to deal with, um, people's emotional pain. And I don't advocate for violence. I don't advocate for people to loot. Um, I don't advocate for people to burn down businesses, but I do understand that outrage must be released in some sense. And I believe that we would like to have a dialogue. I certainly would like to have a dialogue. I invite anybody to talk to me about what they feel is going on. I've tweeted a few things that I didn't even think were all that incendiary and they've gotten around and um, a lot of the responses that I've gotten um, are just very uh, reactionarily emotional if that makes sense. It's not I don't think these people are thinking their thoughts through. I think a lot of times they're repeating talking points. I don't know where they're getting them. I don't know if it's like, you know, a Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck type situation or something. But it just seems to be repeated talking points of uh, he was a thug. He was a criminal. Um, you know, a lot of ways of saying that he deserved it. A lot of ways of people not choosing to connect with the grief of a family losing a son unjustly uh, not choosing to connect with the idea of a fellow American being shot dead in the street for a crime that in any uh, due process of law wouldn't grant an execution sentence so whether that's stealing a box of cigars or um, reaching for a gun or even punching a cop um, there has to be things in place to make it not okay for that policeman to kill. I think it's very problematic that we end up in these situations where there's grand juries and there's juries where on one side there's a system that has shown, you know, a lot of times in the past that it will go to great lengths to protect its own, meaning the police, they get to present evidence, they get to make a case that the homicide was justified and on the other side you have a dead man he can't defend himself at all there's no story from the dead man I just think there's a lot of conversations that have to happen I think what was seen to me to be apparent is that in many situations, white policemen feel something different when approaching a situation with a black male than they do with maybe people that look different ways. Um, Darren Wilson, I think in his testimony, said that he thought Mike Brown looked like a demon. I think that's, that's a real problem because he just looked like a black male. He didn't look like a demon. He didn't have horns growing out of his head. I don't think he had the power to make his eyes glow red or anything supernatural. I think that psychologically, if 
there's a specter associated with black men if there's something that makes them more intimidating looking if it's something that makes white men feel more intimidated in dealing with black men that needs to be put on the table um that could be the truth and that's not that doesn't justify anything but if you're going to arm the police force and give them deadly force um you have to compensate for that somehow you have to put that on the table because it's life or death i mean i'm a parent of a black son a black boy just got murdered recently for playing with a toy gun and i haven't seen the video of that i can't watch it as a parent i just cannot i can't watch something like that take place but from what i'm told of the description there wasn't much investigation of the situation done the police pulled up and saw a young black youth with what they thought was a gun and they just started opening fire it turned out to be a child with a toy there's there's just obvious problems with the way that the police are handling these situations and um like I said, a lot of conversations need to happen. A lot of stuff needs to be put on the forefront. We need to be honest about our emotions on both sides. And we need to have discussions that have some sense of logic in them. Because I think logic would would tell you that these things are happening to black men at an alarming rate. And I think uh, the notion that it's just all our fault is very irresponsible. And um, that's about where we are with it. Uh, this episode of uh, Secret Skin uh, features an interview with my good friend Milo, part of the Hellfire Club. He just released an album called A Toothpaste Suburb. That's amazing. And um, him and I did a show in San Francisco a couple of months ago. And while we were driving back down on the 5 Freeway from San Francisco to L.A., we recorded this interview. In it, he reflects some sentiments about how black artists are perceived. And I think there's maybe a couple analogs to uh, what I've been talking about in um, in terms of Ferguson, in terms of the way that uh, black males are perceived by police or maybe by society as a whole. Um, the analogs probably in there other than that, it's just me and him, um, you know, enjoying each other's company, talking shop. Talking uh, rap philosophy. It's good, fun conversation. Check it out and check his album out. There's a secret radio hour. And this is it. We don't even have lemonade. We don't even have lemonade. That's really important to me. We don't even have lemonade. We don't even have lemonade. We don't even have lemonade. Are you kidding me? We don't even have lemonade like what do, you, what do you have that you are calling lemonade what did i give to me what do you you know the beverage is gone right <laughs> you know you served me something that you call lemonade right? we both agreed this was a lemonade <laughs> right not but 10 minutes ago oh my goodness um we are driving i am with my good friend milo and we are uh Reliving, we're doing it. We're, in, we're reliving an incident that happened that I'm not even gonna <laughs> elucidate. 
That's what we do. We yeah, tell, that we tell, is our we tell, thing. We tell half truths. Our truth. thing is all about. <laughs> yeah, what part of that is true? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, the Somebody asked me once on Twitter, uh, and I just thought about this right now while we're talking. Somebody asked me. Um, they asked me specifically about a song. I think it was Picture Day, and they were like, "Is this song serious, or is it a joke?" And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Everything that I do, like I, I right. no longer have a line when no. it comes to that. No, I no longer have a line. Like I dip in and out of it, you know, between bars sometimes. Like, yeah, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. Did anybody ever ask you anything like that? I get asked that stuff a lot, man. What's um, the last question you got asked about about your the work? The last time, the last question I got asked about my work." Is uh, the scallops hotel stuff? So okay. Be, people have noticed like that's a decidedly weirder thing than the shit I've made in the past. How many people really know, know that's you? Um, yeah, that too. It's like certain people will hit me up like, "Yo, da 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 da, you and scallops on the track." They like that's genuinely so don't funny. know. They genuinely don't know. And then do you tell them at that point? No. Wow. I just keep it rolling. I've seen people hit up James too, like, Scouts is dope, Milo's, Milo's dude, Scouts is dope, sign him, da 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 yeah, we ride with that. Okay. And, uh, and lately I've been doing sets of Scouts too, which just adds to it, like, uh, a lot of beat sets have the smell. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've recently, and the, the smell being a kind of underground venue in LA. Yeah. Venue, I have to admit, I still have never been to. I know why you never ten years. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think there's a reason. Okay, I mean, I just know. I know. I know you pretty well. I've been to Smell once. It's a. It's a fly spot, but uh, you know, it's got the Dookie Sounds and okay, you know, shit like that. It's just like. Mm, but it's a legendary place. Exactly. And exactly. you feel that too when you're in there. Though you definitely feel that too. But well, that's just so interesting. I mean, I've, been, I've lived in LA 10 years now. I mean, yeah. And I've never been to that place. Well, something I was obsessed with in Chicago because of the narrative of Chicago right now in the media is like, how many motherfucking Chicagos are there? You know? Because it'd be like, this Chicago that everyone has on TV is not mine, and I don't know what that is, you know? And you see people on the train, you wonder what their Chicago looks like. Mm. You know, these pathways that they take, and really the city is that. Right. You know, like the smell isn't in your LA. Right, it's not. <laughs> yeah, that's not it's in not, your LA. And it's, but it's in so many of my close friends LA. Right. It's very, like to verbs, that place is very mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's, it's never yeah. been a place that I've, that I've visited, and it's always been kind of interesting to me. How are, you, how are you enjoying LA? I mean, the last place you lived was Chicago. Right. Lived in LA a few months. Yeah, now. a couple months. How do you? How do you? How do you? What's your, what's your sense of it? How are uh, you? How are you enjoying it or not enjoying it? I'm struggling with it. Really? Yeah. What's yeah. What's the part that you struggle with? Um, functionalism. But the functionalism of yourself in the place, or the functionalism of the place itself? The functionalism of the place and what it imposes on me. So what is what What is your experience of the functionalism of LA? LA is about is about being. Okay. LA is, is the economy is cool uh -huh. and insofar as I am a rapper I get reduced to that function a lot which is ah, fine okay. but 
I'm just not used to existing. There are people who only know me as Milo in LA and they know me pretty well. And that fucks me up, dude. Now, how much of that is a function of where you're at in your career though too, right? Yeah, no doubt. But I'm just used to knowing certain, you know, big hooky and bow bow from down at the launch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, in LA I don't know anybody like that, you know. I, I only know people through music and so well, usually the way people establish those other kinds of relationships is kind of just like in their neighborhood or in stores right. they frequent. Well, I, I chose a very dumb neighborhood. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, I mean, I know you've had, you had your troubles there when you first got right. there. Right. Um, with, the, uh, with the psychopath that right. was, that yeah. was uh, living. Yeah, I had a very horrifying man living beneath me for three days with like the sawed off shotgun, yeah. the whole Time. And then how long was it before he actually got out? It was about three days. And, and it was like three of the worst days. Three of the most, like, really, dude, like, worrisome. I've never been that worried before. I, I, I yeah. the, the thing that struck me so vividly about that situation was the thing with the car. Mm-hmm. So, could you, could you tell that story? Yeah, I like when I first met him? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so, uh, I was on my front patio, I live in a duplex and I'm on the top, so you have to like go to my patio to get into my house, and by consequence the patio becomes a, a destination in itself. And so I'm on the patio, chilling, and uh, the gentleman below me doesn't know that anyone has moved into this apartment yet, right. and two, he's being evicted. And uh, he just came flying down the block like Batman, man, like he just pulled up stopped his car in the middle of the street. I live on Avenue, stopped his truck in the middle of the street, got out of it, left his truck in the street, the door open. I mean, gets out and just looks up at the patio because I I think he thought he was under siege. Ah, uh, okay. You know, and that was then when he like, you know, has his sawed off shoddy, etc. Introduced myself <clears throat> and like, I mean, Know, there's certain street things, right? And yeah. one, one interesting thing this guy did was he refused to look at me. He would never look you in the eye? Or? It wasn't he wouldn't look me in the eye. It was I really think he was kind of trying to just be, you know, disrespectful in every way he could imagine. Wow. And so it was just stacking up. Like, he would just always look slightly to the left of where I was. Okay. And so I was like, what's up, man? I just moved here. My name's Rory. da 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 and the whole time he's looking slightly to the left of me like, oh, that's your name, huh? You know, and you're like, oh, you don't want to be friends. <laughs> but you know, that's not even the car story that I was thinking about. Oh, which one? The one uh, with you guys' car, where it was moved. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, there's so much weird shit that happens. Yeah, in, in three days. Yeah, um, so we have a very long driveway. We have one car. Basically, one day we woke up and our car was just all the way to fuck moved out the driveway. And we didn't know how the fuck that could happen, considering none of us had moved it. <laughs> and really what he did is just pushed it all the way the fuck out of the driveway. In park. Yeah, in park. And you just saw the scrid lines the whole way. Yeah, man. Like, to me, like, that's... That's, like, kind of the most insane thing somebody can do. No is doubt. like, they can... They will... <laughs> Move your parked automobile Yo. 
and not say anything to you not about say it. shit about it though like we got up that morning and dude didn't like wasn't like hey by the way right your cars totally moved no nothing and it was kind of like even when we went to the car i felt like he was watching our reaction right you know what i mean just like y'all got something to say about where your car is at right no no we don't <laughs> <laughs> you know uh but i mean thank thank the heavens well that, that that was hookie and baba that, he was both of yeah. them you know what I mean? that was, <laughs> he was both hookie and baba <laughs> yeah and it was uh too much i don't know i met a few people in la I, I, who are just people that's always tight. You know what? Yeah, you know, but uh, I will say, and 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 uh, somewhat in concordance with what you're saying, is that uh, every time I look up and count my friends in Los Angeles, they're all rap related. Right. There's not one. Right. That is not rap related. No, it's really. Real. And even when I I had jobs that weren't rap jobs, I never made any friends at those jobs. Right. Like, never really got along or clicked with anybody on that level. Well, I mean, Three different day jobs I had, you know. That's, like, Reagan talked about that in his interview, which is just like hellfire as support group. Right. And more often than not, is what I've learned so far in L.A., it's just like, we're so busy. You know, you're out of town a lot, I'm out of town a lot. Reagan's in, like, Finland right now. James is in Hawaii. So it was like, you're right, really the dudes that I would probably be chopping up with the most have just been busy so yeah. the support group hasn't been there and I've been just like damn I'm a rapper now this is weird man. and you're a rapper who is prepared in three days to drop his three debut days. first record album first LP yeah is it a toothpaste a toothpaste a toothpaste suburb yeah. I gotta make sure I got my hashtag right like this yeah it's gonna be very important in the next few days dang yeah so how are you I mean how are you feeling about that I mean you put projects out you've got Quite a bit of notoriety for having had, for not having had put out. Oh, and doing the double EP thing. Yeah, well, you yeah. know, and, and this this being your first official release, I mean, how does it feel different? Oh man, okay. Uh, in many ways, the uh, capacity, the ability to sustain a thought for 16 songs. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like we can have some themes now. Okay. These things can recur. Like, uh, let me show you what cycles are. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. we can really get into some science here. Right. And that's what the LP offered that the EPs don't. The EPs, it's like in and out operation, which right. I love. You know, I'm in my heart, I am a sting operation kind of guy. I see. But the, the hey, LP you know, well, is tight. I'm going to stop you right there because it's okay. so funny that you say that you use that as a metaphor. The metaphor I always use for myself when it comes to like the statements I make uh -huh. as a product yeah. is like a sharpshooter. <clears throat> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like I take aim on something <laughs> that I want to destroy. Hell yeah. And I like, you know. Hell yeah. And that's what this record is for me too. It's um, really what it is in its heart. It's just reconciling how the fuck it is. I have so much. Everybody has so much. Really, you know, in a time of abundance, why, why is everything still meaningless and absurd? And why? Why are we still dealing with problems that my great-grandfather had, you know? But I have an iPhone 5S, <laughs> you know? Like, why? I don't know. So what's one of the problems that, uh, that your great-grandfather dealt with that you still deal with? Um, being called nigger on the street. You know, that's, that's one of them. But I mean, just that. What comes with that? Uh, it blows my mind that, you know, our art, Recently, something I've been very involved in and thinking about 
trying to come up with maybe a vocabulary or a rubric or whatever, you know, we've talked about making a manifesto, which is just like, when can we be artists? Though? Right. When can we transcend this role of educator? I'm not interested in informing you about shit. I right. just want to make art for people who are like me, and I need critics who understand that and, you know, can assess this accordingly. So that's a problem that I have as an artist that I think is kind of inherently absurd. And uh, this well, is just about that. Let me ask you this: Does the unsophistication or lack of sophistication from critics? Yeah. I mean, does that stop you from making a particular kind no, of art? No, it doesn't. Okay. Of course it doesn't. I just want that opportunity for myself, for uh -huh. you, for rappers down the line. I mean, it's just kind of absurd that <clears throat> people are still talking about our music the way that they are. And I mean, I recognize how uh, pompous that sounds. You know, well, I'm very well, grateful people are talking about the fucking music at all. But what, what is the way that you wish they, that they wouldn't contextualize it? Like, what is, what is, what, what would you say that they should avoid going forward in trying to, like, separate? Stop trying to divide, uh, is essentially black art. I'm not, don't pit me against, you know, J. Cole, Waka Flocka, whatever. And, and definitely when I was like 17, 18, and I was clumsier with this shit, I was doing that too. I was pitting myself against these cats. And now that whole ridiculous, arbitrary distinction of mainstream underground, or conscious or not, or da-da-da-da-da, you know, it's like, it's beside the point. Right? We're just making it an art that's all has this kind of an informed aesthetic. Especially our group, which is pitted as this like, hey, if you're a smart guy, right. maybe you like this. And it's like, hey, don't do that. If you're a real smart guy, why don't you talk about my music like one? Mm. <laughs> you know, instead of instead of just um, you know, making these lazy comparisons. I mean, I would say I guess probably the the reason that they do that is for consumers probably more than anything. And I feel like I think the consumer is way smarter. The listener is way smarter. Well, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think I think that there are definitely some that are, but I think. But that's why the role of the critic is so important, right? Fantano is such a powerful force because he gives people a vocabulary to discuss music. People will come to our shows and they will speak in terms that I have only heard Fantano use. You know, and it's important. There's a responsibility as a critic. It's a very important job, a very necessary job, that they arm people with a, a vocabulary to discuss art. And they're just misarming the audience when it comes to us, and it's, it's not helping. And so I just find myself constantly trying to, like, rebel against them. How do you how do you go about rebelling against it? Like, what's what's the mechanism? All right, so like my my uh, going away show in Chicago, I played it with Dally Austin, West Side nigga, in Save Money. 
know, it was like, why are you guys doing a show together? Because we're both 22 and rap, and we have the same exact fucking background, you know what I mean? But on paper, people uh, would pit us against each other. So I'm always trying to, to you know, reach out if I can, if the opportunity's there, to, to kind of bridge that gap. But also in my own music, trying not to be so clumsy. You know, like on my first mixtape, that line, genre's the opposite, whatever. Whatever Waka Flock is. is. Yeah, and again, it's like you're 18, you're just trying to brag and shit, but now it's like, I'm a bit older and a bit more mature and I have a sense of, of art and where I want this to go. And, and I can remember I was, I had to be a freshman in college. And uh, I think I was seeing the, there was a collective kind of thing going on for a while. It was like De La Soul and, and Most Deaf. So Queerians? It wasn't So Queerians. <laughs> uh, it was a, this was a rap thing. Oh, okay, my bad. Um, it was De La Soul, it was Most Deaf. It was it was it was Feral Manch. Whoa. Um, and it wasn't. Oh, I wish I could remember. It starts with an S. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I'll have to try to think of it later. But. Um, I was at I was at their tour and most Def was on stage and some and he was just kind of like doing some talking in between songs uh-huh. and uh, something happened where DMX came up and like some people started kind of like booing yeah and he was like no nah, don't do that like don't Hell do that yeah. he was like he was Hell like yeah. you know like, I understand it's like you know and I'm paraphrasing but he was right. like there's some differences in what we do. But that that different categorical right. distinction, he said, that comes from white people. Like that comes from the label people. Hell you know what yeah. I mean? Like he's like, that's Hell not yeah. us deciding that we should Hell be opposite. Yes. That's like the marketers deciding that we should Hell be opposite. Yes, because the especially within the black experience in America, there are times where DMX's music is what I need. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's Something that's so funny, I think, especially with buses music, bus drivers music, the way I read how people talk about his shit, they really try to make him sound like the squarest dude around, like, you know? And it's interesting because, I mean, you know, Reagan is a lot more dynamic than the character people paint him as. Absolutely. And, and his music is, is now, especially, I think he too is starting to rebel against that. We're seeing songs like his cookie face, right. da 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 and it's interesting to me watching these people now trying to, you know, how do we incorporate this new data right. <laughs> into what we know? You know? Yeah, because for so long it was like bus driver, uh, this guy who doesn't, he shuns all these vices and tropes, and he, right. you know, he is the sterling, okay, rapper example for academia, da 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 da. But then you find out like actually smokes a lot of weed out of apples, <laughs> you know? Actually uh, saw him threaten to slap a dude with a slice of pizza once, right. you know? Like, he's a way more dynamic guy than that. And, and we all are, and it's just very, very uh, reductionist to, to, to do that. Well, you know, but I think you, you, you make an interesting point as well in that, like, we've had to do that, too. We've had to insert different sides of ourselves, sometimes sides oh, yeah. of ourselves that we haven't really been comfortable sharing, Hell, but we have yeah. to put that in Hell, to the music for people to know that those things exist. Hell, you know what I mean? Like, I, I look back at uh, my 2013, I didn't put an album out, but I put an EP out and I was doing all these different kind of things, and uh, 
I didn't kind of know it, but what I was doing was recontextualizing myself in terms of like the styles of rap that I was yeah. that I would be willing to use at any given time. You know what I mean? So like, by the time I put out Sir Rockabye, people hear like Picture Day, people hear like Password, and like, oh, like, right, he can do kind of whatever he wants. Right. You know Hell what yeah. I mean? Hell yeah! And, and I feel like that set the table for for me to you know. I mean, we we're killing it at that. I, yeah. I mean, obviously we're in the same crew, and I'm very proud of us, and we're all doing that. Right. James with his. LA weekly pieces he's right. been writing it's like yeah we can no longer rely on these people to accurately talk about us right <laughs> you know so it's like we have to now just flood the discussion with, with all this other context so you can make sense of the art appropriately absolutely what's That's fly though is like Twitter all this shit makes that makes that happen yeah this podcast right. this podcast you know I mean? exactly that makes that happen and what I'm finding is I just rely less and less and less on websites, man. And kids come to the shows and they know so much about us and the music. And it's like, where'd you find that out? Oh, I follow you on Twitter. Oh, I read it on this Facebook. I was on this forum. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. This is where the real culture is happening. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, were there websites that you were kind of leaning on before for any type of just uh, dispensing of information of your own or getting information? Oh, hell yeah. Like, hell like which yeah. ones? Um, Definitely Needle Drop was okay. my, my primary uh, spot, man. Like, Anthony's a homie and he's, I mean, I, he's a good art critic. You know, I am. Uh, he's a genuinely good art critic, man. I, it's funny to me, and, it, and this is definitely an uh, age thing, mm -hmm. but, uh, like, I used to meet people, and still do meet people who, get up every day and check a blog and like that's wow. how they get their music yeah. like that's how they, they get yeah. introduced to artists and that's just never been part I mean, of my life think, you, you know like Fantano's able to tour he's like touring Australia right now right what is he doing exactly I know he's, he's just speaking and doing DJ sets I didn't even know he DJ he doesn't it's like they're like comedic ones so he's okay. like playing like Smash Mouth and like shit like that and I mean you think like he's probably selling out some shows. I mean he's hit Australia before I have. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah, also a weird thing. Too. It's like I can no longer rely on these blogs who are also in themselves trying to become culture creators. Exactly. Because there's like a weird you piss into my stream, <laughs> you know? Like that's that's bizarre. And it would be really weird of me, right, to like peep a Fantano set and then drop a video review of what I thought of his DJ set. Oh, we should certainly do something <laughs> like this. We should certainly do that. I've, I've thought long and hard ever since mm -hmm. my first album release about, like, reviewing people's reviews. Oh, my God. I've thought so long about that because I, I, I get... I, I don't think people understand, like, it's just certain very small things a person can do. Right. That... I mean, I would. I just found. I just would be incensed by like the smallest little thing, but it's the kind of thing that tells you so much about what a person expects from a genre or what they expect well, from a race. What's you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, know? I do. What's interesting though, what I'm noticing is there's kind of a line of demarcation, man. And there's definitely some blogs and writers and publications that do what you're talking about, you know. And they, really just are not so much interested in the business of um, accurate critique as they are in just generating content. Right. But I think there's a, a whole school of, of young dudes writing. And I think, you know, he 
he's kind of Hellfire fam. I mean, basically, he is. Yeah. But it's like, it's very clear to me in a lot of senses that even those dudes still don't necessarily get it. Oh, no. No, and, no. And, and that's what, like, the... It, it, what fascinates me about that is like, how are you that close to something and obviously really appreciate it, yeah. but you don't get it at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just wonder, like, I wonder if they think they get it, yeah. if they know they don't Dude, get to, it. To, like, me, to me, it's all jazz again, man. Like, the way Reagan uh, was talking about, you know, he sees himself as an old jazz man. He's like, I have... He's like, no rapper should have more than five albums. He's like, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm just going for it. And just like in the jazz times you had, that's where that term hipster came from. Uh, the, the people who were orbiting Charlie Parker had no idea what the fuck he was playing. Right. Couldn't explain to you why he's good, but they loved it. Right. And, I mean, there's room for that. I'm, I'm interested in that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely down with it, but that's just the part that I've been... I mean, it's definitely interesting. Lately. It's just there's just there's de facto questions that rise up, which is just like, where are all the brown dudes at writing about this stuff? You know what I mean? Uh, aside from Craig, where they at? And it's just a de facto question. It's not a matter of I'm not, I don't have an agenda. It's just really when you look back and see who are the people talking about this art and who are the people making this art. You notice it's a lot of brown guys making it, and a lot of white guys talking about it. Right. So, I mean, for whatever that's worth. Well, and bringing it back to the release, I mean, so... Oh, so I, yeah. I would, I would imagine. Well, here's an interesting thing, man, and something that I'm amped to talk about with you. It's just I've spent the last year, I didn't release anything. I released a, that, that Bizarre Scallops Hotel project, but I, I had no Milo content come out for over a year. And I've really spent that last year, something that I noticed after Cavalcade that just really deeply bothered me. I made an entire record sample in America albums, and people just associated that album and that and that content with whiteness. Mm. And what's interesting is like, that's my grandfather's favorite band, and he's black. Yeah. I made that record for a black man as a black man. And people hear that, and a lot of cats are like, you know, oh, he sounds like a white guy, these America samples, da-da-da-da-da. It's like, just gets re-contextualized in this whiteness. Anyway, that alarmed me a lot. And I've spent the last year trying to really remind people, like, yeah, I'm this nerdy dude, and I'm doing a lot of stuff that you're doing, you know? Meaning, I'm not going out on Friday nights, and I'm playing Diablo 2 still like an idiot. But also, I have this unique experience as a black guy that you cannot delete. How have you gone about trying to remind him? Oh, my God. So, with scallop shit in particular, like, uh, really, really more more vulgar about shit like that. Like, lines like, fuck those white girls with Indian head dresses. I've been restless, but never reckless. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Just really trying to be like, hey, hey. I'm, I'm this nerdy dude too, but you can't call me nigger. Right. You know, like, please don't do that. Right. And and even with Twitter and social media, just really kind of doubling down so that toothpaste makes sense. Because toothpaste, you've heard it. Yeah. There's a lot of, of, of juggling about matters of blackness on that record that will come as a surprise to some people if they haven't been... Indoctrinated right. in your particular identity racially. Right, because something that I thought I could do was just make some art. 
with the first couple tapes. Just make some art. Why do I have? Why do I have to talk about who I am? Right. I mean, just make some art about the my reality. But what I saw happening was people would talk about me and be like, "Oh, this is this white guy. I think he's white." I would see that all the time. Yeah. People would call me a white guy on the internet, and that was when it was like, "Oh, okay." So I. I can't do that. And that's what I mean, like the black artists were never allowed to make art for art's sake. You know, honestly, and that, that describes the arc of my first couple of projects. Like, mm -hmm. unapologetic art rap was literally just like, oh, these are just all songs that I like. You know what I mean? Right. And then the reaction and the response yeah. informed, like, this anger that I had for the next project. Damn. And that's what Rappers Who Die Natural Causes, yeah. it came, it came, was birthed from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't, uh, I guess I didn't really realize that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely like, and, and I had somebody ask me one day, it was like a professor, he was like, uh, yeah, like where, you know, your first album was, you know, very, uh, he, he didn't use the word whimsical, but it was something right. along those lines. And it was like, your second album, it was all of this racial identity stuff, where'd that come from? It came from. It came from y'all not yeah, letting me do yeah, my whimsy. Exactly, it, it came from, from <laughs> the conversation being this whole other thing, like, I remember the thing that pissed me off that I read more than anything was, uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for a rapper who speaks this well. Oh my God. And I was just like literally disgusted, yeah, you know no what doubt, I mean? No like, doubt. like, what do you think this is? Dude. Like, do you, I mean, we are <laughs> human fucking beings. You can't just say things Yo, like that. it's fucked, it's fucked. And that's often what happens is like, um, you know, I can't say black, so let me substitute that with rapper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Urban or, you know, whatever. Not like, like the other rappers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I got, dude, something that, the first song on the record. Uh, yeah, that's an excellent I, song. Thank you, brother. The first song on the record, I, uh, I spit a rhyme from Free, Freestyle Fellowship, uh, We Will Not Tolerate It. And I did that because what I was noticing was a similar thing. People would hear my records and they'd be like, man, this kid uh, raps like Bob Dylan, raps like Sophia Stevens, raps like insert white folk singer. And it was like, nah, but there's a very long tradition of like black guys making vulnerable rap right. art. And please put me in that context because that's where I belong. I don't play the guitar. I don't, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not out here like, uh, playing farm aid, <laughs> you know that's not me. I I am a descendant of Mike and I, and I'm right. a descendant of Bus Driver. I am of that lineage. Like, please put me in that context. Like, I didn't invent this. I'm not the first dude to grab the mic and be sensitive on it. And and that's how I mean when like they just snatch us out of context and put us in a place that's just totally irresponsible and incorrect. And and. I can no longer trust these people mm. to talk about us accurately. And that's what the beauty in Hellfire is like, when you drop a record or Reagan drops a record, like Drake, Reagan, bus driver, came out with Perfect Hair, and I wrote that piece for it, put it on my Tumblr. And that to me is the genius of our crew. It's like, not only are y'all my favorite rappers, but to me, y'all are the critics who could critique my shit. So we get to contextualize each other. Hell yeah. In a way that nobody else can. Hell yeah. The way that nobody else can. Right, because they understand. Well, not that anybody else doesn't, but we we use these other tools anyway. Since right. we write about things. Right. And we, and we, you know, we fucking record monologues about things. Right. And, and James <laughs> writes, you know, like, you know, editorials about exactly. things. Exactly. Like, 
understand, so it puts us in a perfect position to contextualize each other. I actually, I never thought about that till right now. Nah, it's bro. really amazing. Nah, bro, you had, remember when, now that now that your record's out, we can talk about this. Remember when I emailed you, I was like, dog, I want to write a whole fake review oh, about an album that. you never I did. Do and I want to come up with this fake name and da-da-da-da-da, like, yeah, all that silly stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what I was going to ask you, though, like, because I am a person who, especially I get this close to uh, you're putting out a record in three days. Three days. This is the point where I would be like, I would, I could even see myself actually saying out loud, I don't want to read any reviews. You know what I mean? Oh, I could, I could yeah. actually, I could actually be that much in that mind state at this point, yeah. just from from the abandon that I need psychologically Bro, to even put out a product. That's where I'm at. You know what I mean? I'm presently there. Like, but, but see, and, and and I've been there, but I've also read every review. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no each doubt. and every review. No doubt. And do you feel like you're you're going to resist it? Do you, are you um, going to indulge it? And, and, and Bruh, I really believe that I'm going to resist it. Okay, good I shit, I really, man. really do, man. Good like, shit. I haven't... I haven't read people's shit in so long, mm -hmm. and that's really what this last year has been, was like me preparing myself, you know, with Scallops, and I keep referring to Scallops Hotel as a project about armor, right. that's why I named it How to Rap with a Hammer, Scallops is armor, dog. I thought my elders came for me, they said I stunk, but I was drunk off of elderberry tea, I, I, I. I thought my elders came for me, they said I stunk, but I was drunk off of elderberry tea, op, op, op. I thought my elders came for me, they said I stunk, but I was drunk off of elderberry tea, op, op, op. A loser with a winning score, you pitched a tent indoors. I tried to imbue this moment with meaning like a trite sophomore. But my attempts were all clumsy, I opened my mouth and said that dumbly, I said that dumb thing. I got these stupid tattoos to remind me of past life snafus that left me black and blue. Bro, one of these guys just paints a big ass fucking canvas red. They're not sweating who's gonna critique it. Right. And that's that's that beauty, man. So you you know, I, I'm not reading them. Pitchfork? Can I read it? Can I read the pitchfork? Even if Craig writes it, can I go read it? <laughs> no, I'm not reading it. But I'm lucky it's like I know Reagan will call me up immediately. Oh yeah, he'll and trip. He'll be like, dog, dog, dog. So I don't know if it's good or bad. Nine for nigga? Right. Nine? <laughs> Yo. Right, right. So I mean I'll I'll have a sense of it, but honestly, man, I'm very proud of it. It's uh it's it exactly be, what I wanted it to be. And at the time that I made it, I thought I was done. I was like, this is it. This is the album. I don't even know how I'll ever rap some shit like that. But, you know, enough time's passed. I've located the flaws. Working on this. I mean, it's interesting, too, because when we went on tour in March, yeah. your album was done, but it was... it was it, Way different. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, exactly. I'm, when, you, when you emailed it to me a couple of months ago, like, I, it took me a while to listen to it, because yeah. I was like, all right, you know, yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, the first song. <laughs> <laughs> This is the yeah. new best shit ever, you Thank know what you, I mean? Man. Yeah, I, uh, again, I'm always learning from y'all, man. And I mean, and it's likewise, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all the cycle. I mean, it's, especially how we were playing it, we, to give you some context as a listener, it was early in the tour, we're like in Oregon doing these long drives through the mountains bumping this album, and I was seeing how it was affecting my guys mm. and you guys. 
And, you know, I'd be like, all right, that's a good response, but I would like it to be this. You right. know, da-da-da-da-da. So let me go back, take right. care of a few things, change it out. But I felt like that was a really special... I mean, that's something that I think we should always do is, it's, if possible, go on a tour. And workshop them like that. Bump like, each yeah. other's albums on the road. There's yeah. something about driving and listening to an album, especially with your dudes, where it's like, yo, this, this right it's here. the joint right da, here. Da, 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 yeah. Da. yeah. And on that second and third listen, you know what I mean? Yes. And somebody was like, exactly. That's the one right there. I remember exactly. um, I had I was on a I was in a car with James one day, mm-hmm. and I was just playing him out. We had like a long drive, maybe to the studio or something. And um, this was an earlier iteration of it, right. and uh, very much money was near to the Ooh. end. Uh huh. And he was like, No, no, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you right, gotta right. push that up a little right, bit. Right. That's, that's the, the one. one. But it's like, like that's. That's one of the earliest things that I've learned that we can do for each other as artists is like, like, yeah, that's all your foot, and this is the best part of your best Hell foot yeah. right Hell there. Yeah. So turn your foot that Hell way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Like that's that's one of the most valuable things that we can do. That's provide what for I each don't other. think people understand is like to me that is our that's our mystery. You know, if we were to speak about Hellfire as a clandestine organization, that to me is the essence of it. It's like I trust y'all enough to accept your critique. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that means? Right. You know, like what? Yeah. Uh, and and the kind of fucking bond you have to have with people, and especially the trust to have, and the understanding. And it's not just one dude I yeah. trust like that. Man, you know that that to me is the mystery. That that's our esoteric secret. It's like yeah, we a, a gang of dudes will actually listen to shit and be like. That's fly. Open <laughs> it up. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know? yeah. Hell yeah. I really like telling Reagan that stuff. Oh. I really liked, I really, man. Because there's just some things that he does so excellently. So excellently. Uh-huh. And like, I'll think in my head, oh, he already knows that's excellent until I say it. And right. I see the look on his face. It's right. Like, oh. I have to say it right. like I have to like definitely give him that feedback because it means something different coming from me oh than it God. does even a thousand strangers in an yeah. audience. You no, know what I mean? That's real. Reagan busts his shit like he really a critic, a fan can be like, "Yo, this record's dope." He'll be like, "Oh, thank you so much." Right. And then he'll just keep it moving. But if one of us is like, "Bro, that song's really dope," like Reagan will really take it to heart. Really? That's the one? I didn't yeah. even know. Like, Brother, like, it really brightens him up. We were on a tour once, and then I kept telling him I liked the song, and he, and he started performing it, and it was like two albums yeah. ago. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit, he was really, yeah. he was really listening. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, that's, that was, that was, that's been really cool. To, to me, see that. to me, Reagan is, he's our Henry Cowell. He's our Picasso. He's, he really has the, the resume just like I can't it's an unfuckwittable right. rapper at this point and I, I, I will hear nothing on the matter <laughs> otherwise <laughs> you know I mean? I'm not fielding any critiques about this nigga like to me he is certified OG just like he doesn't make whack shit man it blows my mind I've been and you have been too fans of him since way the fuck back decades I listen to everything he puts out he's just a very at the end of the day rap, race, whatever aside, he's a committed artist. Yeah. And he's really just making, in his little cottage in Highland Park, he's making art for art's 
sync yeah. internal to himself, you know, and it's beautiful. The periwinkle dragon. Is that a term that's been used before? I just keep calling him that. You keep calling him that? I keep calling him the periwinkle dragon. That's amazing. That's what I think he is, dude. I think of him as the periwinkle dragon. He's just, he's the shit. He's the shit. And now, like, for me too, man, I feel so inspired because never before, I don't, I don't believe, and I mean, it's not that I have a tremendous understanding of our history, but never before, I, I don't believe, has there been an aesthetic where, you know, one of the main progenitors of it then got to be uh, in it for a long enough to where the second wave joins in. Right. You know what I mean? Because to me, you're that second wave. But you know it's interesting too because to me it comes from the Blodian lineage. Hell yeah. When that very thing happened, every generation of the Blod. Mm -hmm. Like so that's why like still to this but, day the Freestyle Fellowship. Right. No, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And it, but what I'm, I bring that up to say this. There have been very very many years where Reagan, the bus driver, has been killing it in the world on his own. Right. And I I take a pride opportunity Egg yo, me too. of being able all, to build him up all the time you know what I mean yeah. of being like this nigga saved my life when I was 12 and he didn't know me right and now it's like my turn at 22 to be like dog that verse was disgusting yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that and I and I take it I take it very seriously yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of that it's amazing it's insane that we get to do that dude. no I think about it a lot I really do like because you know my career has like my career started with him in so yeah. many ways. Like yeah. just him having uh, abilities within the industry. Like he got me my first deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the deal started my career. <laughs> and then I went on the tour with him that right. started my career. Right. Like all of that was, was, was within a year. No man, I know. You know what I mean? I know, it's super tight. And obviously I feel that way about you. And it's like this interesting and fly like, uh, it's a lineage. Yeah. People have to put that down on paper like you have to you can't talk about my shit and make sense of it without knowing fear of black tangent without knowing unapologetic art rap like you can't talk about toothpaste suburb and not have heard pissy transmissions you know me and max bell sat and talked for a very long time about uh, one, one day I yeah what the per i think we were just talking about my album or whatever it was right. the overarching thing but uh we were talking about what it, what we would have to do to like let people know when they have or have not the right grasp on what it is they're trying to talk about wow. with this, you know, like like maybe yeah. in critique. Right. And what we, what we had gotten to was that like we had to come up with um, some canon of things that you have to have heard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hell Before yeah. you could even speak but on But no, every art form has that. You know who the masters are in, in, in expressionistic painting, impressionistic painting. Like, you're not going to approach an oil painting and say you've never heard of Rembrandt. Right. You know what I mean? You, you sound dumb. And, but and, you know, the, 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 there's this funny thing, I think, and maybe in music in general, mm -hmm. where that's never seemed to be the case. Like, you know, in, in, in rarely, I mean, other than classical, right. you know what I mean? There seems to be a lot of room yeah. for you to come in and do whatever, yeah. whether you are reverent to what came no, before that's or fine. Not, you know? That's fine. I'm suspicious of people who claim that. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to find that they're lying. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I'm talking about not mostly about the people who write about the music, right, not right, so right. much the the actual person who comes in. But that that too weirds me out, though, man, because there's all that shit seems racially motivated to me. Like, uh, I mean, we're talking brass tacks right now. Like Hut, you know what I mean? That's a rapper who I think is really good. He's really inspiring young kid in Austin. Um, very honest, genuine rapper tasks himself with learning all about rap and digesting it and part of that was because the first time I met him it'd be like and I mean Aesop Rock is the homie but it'd be like why do you know way more of his shit and not buses or why do you, you know what I mean like what is that like why is it that you can tell me all about this dude and not this one and da 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 and I'm just always curious about how that comes to be how people know about atmosphere but don't know freestyle or fellowship or whatever you know how did that come to be well you know my my answer in a lot of those cases my theory it would actually go more towards business infrastructure than anything else yeah you know what i mean but but there's also no separating the fact that more business gets invested when there's but I mean, a product that they feel right. like will appeal to more you know what breaks white my heart? people. You know, you know what I mean? my heart right now? I don't know. I don't even necessarily want to bring it out. It's so petty. I'm like the pettiest nigga in the crew. That's also something I've learned. No, I just think you're more vocal about it. <laughs> Honestly, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sure some days I'm that's me. So I'm so petty, dog. Some days that's me. So that um that infographic about like rappers with the oh, largest yeah, no. vocabulary. I, I, I paid zero attention to it. I paid enough attention to notice bus driver wasn't on it, and then I got personally offended. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and it's like, why not? And and the rapper with the biggest vocabulary listed is a white guy. You know what I mean? And and it's like there's just a de facto statement being made in these types of infographics, and it's like, why did you omit a guy who I know has the vocab? You know what I mean? But see, but that's honestly, and and I can't say that that, that where you're coming from with that is is not, you know, true. But I can say that definitely, Aesop Rock has been put in a better position to have more ears over his whole career. No. No you know doubt. what I mean, no and, and like, and so. No doubt, man. And I'm not trying to take away from well, those well, art. But what I no, and I, I know, I know. But yeah. I just think that sometimes when it comes to omission, there might be the chance that somebody literally hasn't heard or was never, you know what I mean, hasn't been exposed to certain. It's just hard for me to believe someone knows Aesop Rock and doesn't know. Bus oh, Rock. dude, so many people know Aesop Rock and don't know Bush Rock. Why? So many How? people. Because like, and that's what I'm saying. Literally, <laughs> Def Jux. Yeah. You know what I mean? As okay. a thing. When he was, because I've talked to Ace a lot, I've talked to Blockhead a lot about what things were like for them kind of before that album, you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, kind of just, uh, they were they were good, they were tight, but you know, like, very underground, not right. very known, they would do shows, shit wouldn't be that big deal. When that album came, the Labor Days album came out on Def Jux at that time, it was like, perfect platform meets product everywhere like they said they started going on tours right then it was sold out and it was also like the fact that uh the cannibal ox album had happened on that same label like and it was either the project before or the project after but it was like dev jux's time i feel like we're on that not that fly we're not selling them out knocking them back but right this year is definitely oh yeah for sure for sure it's it's, it's definitely going to increase like last night was pretty Last night was super tight. And that makes me want to set the table one last time. We're going to end up ending this in a little bit. But I just want to let people know that we're driving from San Francisco to L.A. We're along the 5 freeway. 
um, where we're having this conversation, this open road, lots of farmland, sun and dirt and smog. I don't know where one begins and one ends. I feel like I'm going to see a roadrunner, a coyote right. at any Hunter moment. Thompson. Yeah, right. All that for sure. But that's where we are. But yeah, last night we had a, a show at a DIY spot, uh, the Honey Hive Gallery, and they oversold their capacity by double. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's fucking amazing. Yeah, you know, it was it was a it was a great experience. We got to play for um we played an all ages thing, which is always good. I know it's good for you. I know like a Dude, lot of a lot of your fans are young. You know guys, what? So. I don't even a lot of times I don't even realize how many people I could bring out yeah. if it was an all ages thing. Yeah. Until, you know, hella sixteen year olds are there. I'm like, oh that that's real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's a funny thing for me is that like, well, just my experience with the business, right, is that if, if it's an all-ages spot, it's either, like it was last night, where it's like, not quite really a venue, but right. they do yeah, shows yeah. there, yeah. and and the, the other side of the all-ages coin, and it really is very little in between, right, it's right. just, the, it's where, um, it's where Slipknot would come play, or yeah. you know what I mean, it's yeah. like, it's just too big for us to operate in, you know? and so I tend I tend to gravitate what's more towards the middle is a 250 person venue with a bar because I like drinking. I feel like <laughs> it's interesting. I haven't even been rapping that long, but uh, the kid who just turned 18, it's like I've been listening to this shit for three years. I just turned 18. It's my first show. Damn. I'm so happy to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's tight. So tight. Like you said, but like you, you were saying, like there's some people who were there last night who will never forget that show. Oh, that show last night? Yeah, that, that leaves an impact because what, what you said, it was a DIY spot, it was sold double times over, it was, you know, there was no air in there. Zero air. So everybody was sweating, getting yeah. really, really uh, comfortable with each other. It was rap, big room yoga. Yeah, it yeah. really was. And there's, you know, some sucky parts about rap Bikram Yoga, yeah. but there's also this really beautiful sense of community at that show right. and of, of a safe space. Right. Um, like, uh, yeah, it really felt, especially afterwards, how everybody was out in the street talking right. and mingling. And breathing air normally. Dude, <laughs> but great. something I noticed about our shows is people kind of approach them almost like a family cookout. Like, I'm here to kind of talk and hang out and feel like a community, like how you would when a... Uh, how, at least how I would when I was playing like magic at comic book shops or something. That that same kind of loitering of just like I'm not I'm I'm just here trying to talk to people who are like me. You know what's funny is I lived a very nerdy childhood. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in comic book shops, yeah. and I went through you know comics, uh, collectible cards. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like whatever they were doing, I was I would do. But my involvement, my 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 engagement in comic book stores stopped when Magic the Gathering happened. Okay. Well, I mean, like Dungeons and Dragons. Well, what I mean is that whole side of things. Like I had tried to like get into even yeah, even before the card games when they were board games and dice games. Oh. I was trying to get into them then. That was always a barrier. For, like I never yeah. enjoyed any of that. Really? And like it just it cut off this entire that communal experience yeah. of the comic book store. I've never had it. Wow. Because well, it feels I, like that. Yeah. At the show. Yeah. And the thing is about all those card games and D and D and that it's the unspoken rule about that is the game sucks. D and D is boring. Magic Gathering is boring. 
not really playing this to play this. I'm really just here to drink Blue Mountain Dew with 15 other dudes that's so who don't have a date tonight. That is so you know? interesting. And, that, and that's the vibe of um, our show sometimes. And, and I I feel so safe when that's the vibe, dude. I feel so at home when that's the vibe. Uh, I love it, man. I'm very... I think we have one of the best audiences out right now in rap. When I talk to people about how their fans interact with their music and I see how our fans interact with us and I really feel very grateful. Yeah. Because these are these are genuine people who are just trying to have like a, an interaction. Yeah, I love that. That's what's up, man. Um should probably end here. Yeah, tight. Uh Toothpaste Suburb, man. Toothpaste Suburb, September 23rd. And then is there a place where you prefer people buy it? Okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to get more money, and I'm going to get faster if you buy it off Bandcamp. Tight. But I might get famouser if we break that top ten on iTunes. That's real. So it's like... So it's like if you're in iTunes or iTunes, or Bandcamp or Bandcamp. Right, exactly. Because both are are helping me out. We can get the rep out on iTunes, and I can get some fried rice with the Bandcamp. That's what's up. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for both. So pick your poison, people, and uh, get with a toothpaste suburb. I, I mean, I don't know. This podcast is going to be probably out for I'm going to try to push this one okay, to, you know, a little closer. Thank you for yeah. having me on your show. No, no doubt, dude. You know, this is your second time. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the, the most secrets. You know, it's funny. The secrets getting only two people heard. I've been talking to the... Um, people at the Infinite Guest Network about calling that episode, episode zero, oh. and just releasing it some, like, at some point, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. this is what this show could have been, yeah, you know what dude. I mean? Me reading too much and talking to, to somebody dude. in a place where you had no business recording the conversation. That that <laughs> night, too, our energy, yeah. we were like giggly and just like, we Jill Scott's floating around. Well, you know what, I think, I think, I mean, we're probably very high. That too, yeah, and exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was all those things. Confluence. Well, we did it right this time, and awesome. we're probably gonna do it again a bunch. I'm down. Whatever, What's up, man. All right, you say bye to the people. Bye, bye, people. Seven, get the eighth one free though They overcompensate and roll the quarters in the speedos They make you sell tickets to a play To rock a show that's happening a whole nother day Yeah And frozen yogurt is a lie Machines full of unused boba in disguise It's all a big sports debate show They make them choose opposite dances This shit is fake, bro That markup is a miracle A thousand dollar price tag, six dollar materials Medea movie on the tube And I'm sorry to inform you The grandmother is a dude Yeah, they like to say that we're post-racial They can give us MGK and take Ghostface At the supermarket, shit annoys me I'm still trying and how to get in milk from a soybean. Triggeration, one foot in the Rockaways, one foot in the Upper West. People in shock today, even after self-arrest. Rubberneckers see washed up boardwalks and gravlocks. The hyphen and have not is a knife in the padlock. Keep receipts for price gouge tax return shacks and earn. Give your tacitern acid turn. 
Nuance. Needs are the nuance. You still clip coupons if your orbit's the Forbes list. Somewhere out there are trillionaires who abhor it. They don't stroke their double chin billy goat hair. They don't stand out nor act like they really don't care. Feels good to agree with me as you chill in your chair. Stalwarts and all sorts, there serves in our ball courts. Push over tennis ball when it falls, transforms to small forts. Now let's rest for a full note. This text is just filler. The best is the pull quote. Trickeration, 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 Twist your cool ass mustache, but pretty soon you'll realize Riff Raff is just a cheap gag. I'd rather receive a left hook from Seth Brooks' dad. I think his last name is Benzer. Hamato Yoshi is Master Splinter. But you should already know that. This is absolutely one crazy town, and I get along fine for another lazy hound, like the waitress lazily recites the side dishes for the night. Yuck, my dude. I don't want none of these. Wearing purple robes like my name is Pedicles. And I'm hella suspicious Reading everything on Twitter when I should mind my own business Indeed, that's how they swindle and rob you Seeing the next man has a Kindle and thinks so should I too Standing on the highest tower in Hyrule The Black Power Ranger waves down high fools Hey yo This culture is mad dubious When it comes to collecting rubies, I'm the poopiest And when it comes to adult modeling, I'm the nudiest Surf my pay-to-play website where I parade around in fabric skin tight They'll convince you that you do wrong I tricked you like the dude at the end of the MF Doom song. Yo, 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 y'all can't stand right here. In his right hand was your man's worst nightmare. Loud enough to burst his right eardrum close range. The game is not only dangerous, but it's most strange. Uh.